folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except we're extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. This is episode 195 of Channel Massive. I'm Noah, and Mark is here, of course, as well. I am here. And, and we're happy to say that our special guest host in this episode is Southern Scott. Southern, Southern Pride Scott. Scott. I, I haven't forgotten. With extra spices. <laughs> I just but, didn't know we could say that in front of you. Because tomorrow is um, 420, he'll be Southern Baked Scott. <laughs> yeah. It is 420 tomorrow. And who is the Cuisin Cataract? The Cuisin Art. <laughs> the Cuisin Cataract. <laughs> it's just funny because when you said it is 420 tomorrow, it's the For same affliction. It is the Cuisin <laughs> Art hat rack. The Cuisin Cataract. Like the. <laughs> You are his little sister. Yeah, you're Alia, Ail- Ail- whatever. Yeah, <laughs> totally. She was the really screwed My up one. My brother's coming with many feminine warriors. <laughs> so that's Dune. If anyone listening is confused, check it out. It's really a great. It's one of the best movies based on a great science fiction series you'll ever see. I, I, I was not as big of a fan of that version as I was the sci-fi version. I the sci-fi sci-fi version was good. I did see that one. I remember it. I don't think I just, the guy that they had playing Paul was particularly good, but um, couldn't compete with uh, what's his name? Uh, can't think of his name. Damn. Yeah, I don't know. I liked the movie. I thought Lynch was. I mean, at the time. To make a movie that when you went to see it came with a sheet that you had to. Like a, it came with a little booklet thing you had, and you had you could refer to like the cast of characters. It was almost like when you go to see like a, a musical or something. You know, it was like something like that. Like a program. Yeah, it was a, a program. <laughs> yes, that word will work for this. Yes, it's not the perfect word and one that I totally missed, but it's a word that'll work. But yeah, in 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 Noah's version of it, a program was distributed. <laughs> And that program basically told you exactly what was going on. It was really cool, but I mean, I've never seen another movie that was like, you know, had that risk of losing the viewers. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's cool. What what I also find amusing is I hardly I don't think I remember that movie at all. But Mark was able to find on YouTube the video clips of the oh yeah whatever it is. It's pretty cool stuff. Anyways, what's something that's interesting to note with the three of us being on this show is that we are going on a vacation Labor Day weekend. And last episode, we asked for some opinions or feedback on whether anybody out there thought that we should go to Dragon Con versus PAX or vice versa and why. And as it turns out, we only got feedback via IM. Yeah. Terror, who said, 
go to PAX. PAX, 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 PAX. Don't go to Dragon Con. So lame. <laughs> and from Eric, who said, go to Dragon Con. Definitely Dragon Con. It smells like feet. So. Oh. Yeah. Mm. That doesn't sell me on it. So As enticing as that is. Yes. <laughs> we are going to PAX. <laughs> right. Woo-hoo. And that means if there are any few listeners out there who are also going to PAX, let us know. Maybe we can coordinate something. We'll this go eat a nice dinner Prime. someplace. Yes, um, so Noah will be wearing his cami cosplay outfit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he will not be alone, unfortunately. <laughs> Scott will be dressed as Darth Vader, and I will be dressed as uh, my favorite channel massive uh, co-host. Me. Hey. That's kind of boring. Yeah, well, boring and not particularly good to look at, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Your makeup spot on, though. Yeah, I mean, there'll be no mistake that I, I attempted to look like myself. <laughs> we'll see. For this week's intro getting, we have a nice little selection of stories, latest breaking news. What we're going to ultimately drive towards are the latest developments with Valve, which fortunately occurred cleanly between recording sessions, so you didn't hear us talking about something, and then when you finally listen to it, when it's actually posted, it's like, they're talking about that crap like they don't know what happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> the answer occurs the day after we record, and we just get stupid, which we've done in the last few months, but hey, you're still here, so it's all good. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about Electronic Arts, just briefly, Apparently, according to a former employee at Electronic Arts who also worked on the Burnout franchise, product manager Derek Anderson. Now, you know how those product managers can be. They are. They are renegade out of control. I think think they just told him they were laying off a thousand because he was really getting fired and he he was kind of maybe a little unstable. (laughs) They're like, don't don't (laughs) feel bad. It's not personal. No, he says he has multiple sources within the company. That are telling them that 500 to 1,000, which is a pretty big difference, could be cut. As much as 11% of the company, if the full 1,000, are laid off from Electronic Arts. And Anderson, in Anderson's opinion, or according to his sources, or something, he's claiming that the MMO, Old Republic, hasn't been doing well enough to justify keeping enough staff. And he also. Well, I mean, it wouldn't keep the initial build group, I wouldn't think. I mean, I, I wouldn't think you would ever have enough. Well, oh, well, yeah, because you have to really ramp up the team size yeah. ready for a game to launch. Well, and on top of that, I mean, nobody's even talking about, well, you know, Mass Effect 3 just came out, and there's not a Mass Effect 4. I mean, they just... So, you know, there's, there's several games. I mean, that's a whole series that... They've been riding on the same engine for three games, so... <laughs> I mean... You know, uh, unless they're branching off in a new direction, but they may not be doing that anytime soon. So, Yeah. So potentially the Old Republic in some ways contributing to these layoffs as well as a super expensive Battlefield 3 post-launch marketing campaign. EA, of course, had a very diplomatic response saying that, well, actually, we're going to grow. We're, we're going to hire hundreds of people in our digital console, mobile, and social games areas. And 
So they say, we make occasional adjustments to resize teams as projects are completed and new priorities are established. But overall, we expect the headcount will be up at the end of this year. Hmm. Being hmm. up is not cool whatsoever. And this is either a rumor or it comes to be true. And if it's true, that's very unfortunate for those folks. Maybe they'll get rehired by the end of the year for EA to build itself right back up. Not a fun cycle to go through. All I know. Go through is getting sued by the increasingly litigious Bethesda after they've gotten victories over Interplay and gotten their MMO rights back. And do they also? Oh yeah, they had their little lawsuits with Mojang over the scrolls, the Minecraft scrolls game. Oh yeah, I mean, come on. So now they're going after fans. <laughs> They're yes. pursuing developers and publishers. Now they're going to go after fans. And there's a Norwegian Fallout fan who has a website called fallout-posters.com that just include concept art, poster artwork from the Fallout concept art department, I suppose. And Bethesda's lawyers just jumped on, on him and said that he needed to take all of that down, take all the images down, and then also hand over the domain fallout-posters.com. And kudos to this Erling Loken Anderson, another Anderson, Mr. Anderson. He's taking a stand. He's standing up against these guys. He says, what pisses me off is the fact that they're looking out for their trademark. As you No, know, he says, what pisses me off isn't the fact that they're looking out for their trademark, as they have every right to do so. What I'm pissed about are large companies abusing their monetary power, hiring global law firms to go after a fan online. Immediately threatening a lawsuit. I'm tired of intellectual rights holders, be it RIA, MPAA, or in this case Bethesda, going after little guys like myself and threatening them into obedience. Some people don't have the intellectual capacity or money to fight for their cause, so they just fold after receiving a letter like that. But just because you can't afford to fight doesn't mean your opponent is right. <laughs> wow. So he's saying that all of his stuff falls under fair use and he's not infringing on intellectual property rights and they can suck it. Maybe not. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, you know, I, I think it, that's a problem when you, if anything, they should encourage fan sites. I mean, it, it's guerrilla marketing, this whatever defense of this they get out of it. I mean, look, whether I agree or disagree with them going after Minecraft, at least that's another commercial enterprise. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, okay, I may not agree with your premise, but I at least see, yes, you know, you're defending your, your brand against another commercial enterprise that may be encroaching on that brand. Yeah. This is nothing like that. <laughs> I just, I mean, if anything, it just makes them look like a bunch of asshats. So, yeah, I think last year there was something that was similar to this where there was a dude who had some kind of Call of Duty 4 website domain and he was using it to talk trash about Call of Duty and said, instead, you should buy Battlefield 3. That's going to be the way better. That's a much more flagrant fan initiated evil instead of potentially contentious stuff, especially since the domain was would be so easily typed in and people could go there thinking they were going to the official Call of Duty website. Whereas this, it's it's ridiculous. It's just posters. Wow, and I love, I love his I love Fallout. I do. Yeah. But it's just, 
it's just post-apocalyptic America. There's, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it's not that great of a story. I mean, it's not. I mean, I don't know. Well, yeah. the best part it's is they're the re- stuff a lot more than the Fallout stuff. The fact that these are reinterpretations of actual posters and art- artwork from Bethesda, which means he put them together. I mean, it's, it's kind of gray whether or not he's actually <laughs> infringing. Yeah, is is like is you know is, does this mean like George Lucas should go after some of those really funny like um, spoofs that that they have for like um, they're like World War Two you know Bond posters where it's like got a picture of Darth Vader and it's like he can't do it alone you know and stuff like that should should anything that even is close to your IP be taken down and is it defensible I. I think it's disgusting that they're doing this. Like you say, for all those reasons, it's guerrilla marketing. It's it's free marketing. It's people who love your game saying, "Hey, if you love this game, you know, here's here's some cool stuff that you can adorn your walls with." And they're saying, "No, you're you're trampling on our our uh, IP." And so his site now has every single picture says down due to copyright claim by Bethesda. Sorry. Just sad. And it's not like, I mean, does Bethesda even sell this artwork or sell complimentary artwork? Right. He's not even competing with them. He's not making money off of them. Right. He's not selling them. They're all free. They're just being prickish. Screw you, Bethesda. Amen, brother. Preach it. Screw you. (laughs) So now we get into the Valve story. This was what I was referring to earlier, that it was something that started to develop shortly after we recorded last week's episode, and that's this mysterious console-slash-hardware development going on over in Valve offices, which were reignited, the rumors about that were reignited, based on job listings at Valve's website, which had three different projects, or three different openings, job openings, that were tied to hardware design projects. First of all, an electronics engineer was being requested. And then also there looks like a firmware coder. And then last but not least, a psychologist. (laughs) 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 Which is a little weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, EVE Online has its uh, economist Maybe they're just saying, hey, if they have an economist, we need a psychologist. And BioWare has all those MDs. So, you know, it's all good. (laughs) So some specific quotes from the job descriptions included, for years, Valve has been all about writing software that provides great gameplay experiences. Now we're developing hardware to enhance those experiences. Continuing on, they want to make devices, input and output devices, that, quote, let players interact with their games in ways they've never experienced before. <laughs> Meanwhile, the psychologist will, quote, provide relevant insight into human behavior in order to shape gameplay and customer experience. Which is a pretty cool concept. It is, it is kind of cool. Could you imagine, like, doing your day-to-day work? It is, and, except for there's no money in hardware. I mean, it's just, just not... <laughs> delivery mechanism. Well, Valve went further, went out further to clarify what some of the hardware it's working on. It apparently includes wearable computing devices, which then 
a Valve researcher jumped out there to say, to be clear, this is R&D. It doesn't in any way involve a product at this point and probably won't for a long while, if ever. So please, no rumors about Steam glasses being announced at E3. <laughs> Steam, Steam goggles. Yeah. Steamed up goggles. And then he continues, by wearable computing, quote-unquote, I mean mobile computing, where both computer-generated graphics and the real world are seamlessly overlaid in your view. There is no separate display that you hold in your hands. Think Terminator Vision. Or as some call it, augmented reality. Yes. Yes. Paraglide. The Terminator the Vision sounds baby. way better. To your cornea. No. I like <laughs> the idea of, like, fuck you assholes always being a dialogue option <laughs> from, like, yeah. this day forward. That'd be cool. So what do you guys think? Would you prefer, A, Valve isn't working on any hardware whatsoever, B, Valve is working on an actual console, C, Valve is working on a new controller, or D, Valve is working on some kind of augmented reality accessory? Which of those or, four? Or I would F, think number four. Fuck would, you, asshole. I think, I think <laughs> four has the most promise, even if they don't. Sell it. Maybe they push that that envelope mm-hmm. to what they develop. I don't think. I think it's too soon in the game to be pushing out a product. I think anything that comes out now is just gonna it's gonna push a final marketable design. I think everything now is gonna be way so niche that it's not gonna take off. But um, they are an innovative company. That you know, I. Uh, it's interesting. I, I don't want them to. Re- I, I, I would think it would be ridiculous if they were building a console. But who knows? People have done ridiculous things before. So, How about you, Mark? I, I'd really rather them make a, like a, you know, some kind of a set-top box type thing that's a, you know, a console killer. Um, you know, basically an Intel platform that provides Steam games and, um, you know, all the other stuff we're kind of used to, ability to stream media and do Netflix and all that stuff. I think that's what I would really prefer to see, but I doubt it's going to happen. You could call it a septic tank. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. Could be. But, yeah, I'm not too excited about the other stuff that they could potentially be doing. Something that someone brought up when I was in an article that I was reading about the Google goggles was that it could potentially be rather detrimental for your health. And it's something as I've gotten older and continued and continued and continued to work in IT, I'm starting to realize where it's your eyes aren't made. We're not genetically or physically. We haven't evolved to have some kind of screen constantly like an inch away from our eyes and that it could cause some serious eye strain or vision problems. It just remind, remember the movie, the jerk. <laughs> With the with the eyeglass handle, <laughs> I do. Where people all became cross-eyed. They all became it. cross-eyed and sued him exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I kind of feel that until we're ready to go DSX style or Terminator style or whatever reference you want to have, where it's cybernetic implants, probably not a good idea. I you know yeah I I don't understand the allure there right now. Write it to the contact lens. There are specific applications where I think it's cool, like that. Um, we were talking before we started recording about a. There's these ski goggle, uh, goggles you can get that'll interface with an Android, 
and and there's an app for it and everything, and it provides you with this heads-up display showing how much air you're getting on jumps, where you are, are on the ski run, you know, everything you've done. You can accept calls or refuse them during your skiing. You know, everything that you could possibly imagine, it kind of does. I think it may figure out how many, how many uh, you know, uh, calories you're burning if you're doing cross-country. It, it's a pretty amazing little app and setup. But Until like somebody specific. dies answering a phone call on a ski slope. Right, runs into a tree. <laughs> and then it's... Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, for like specific applications, it could be kind of cool. Um, but just in general, I don't really want to walk around at the office with like a heads-up display showing like, last time since you have used the restroom, you know, C minus 3 hours and 53 minutes, or you know, possible odds of running into confrontational um, fellow employee, you know, 93%. Or, you know what I mean? It's just like... Well, you could just have an overlay of the entire office building and then, right. of course, you'd have infrared sensors in every goggle so you could tell where all the other employees in the building were so you could avoid them. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, you know, ultraviolet um, sensors and... Or, uh, you know, you can... You RFIDs can see, like, or something like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I don't see it as particularly cool but I would really rather I'm more excited about the you know like a Steam console that plays good Intel like we've covered it before that that's kind of what I'm more interested in so Mark what would you think of an Apple and Valve co-produced console <laughs> uh, I think it would oh. ruin ruin whatever Valve had to deal with Apple but it's called the um, PS Vita no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think I think that the Apple philosophy is kind of so uncompromising on the design side, and to make um, everything I've described be kind of open and um, you know useful and Intel based and not not based on. Um, not you know it would only the only we've talked about this before the only way a console like that would work is if it was basically able to run um you know windows executables to cover all of the games or even dos you know executables and that would be really a weird mixture with apple who makes you know the the mac os and the um you know ios and all that so i i find it I find those two things to not go well together. It would not be peanut butter and chocolate. It would be more like, um, I don't know, think of any two flavors that shouldn't be combined, and uh, that's what that would be. <laughs> well, that said, some of the potential hypotheses of why Apple's CEO went to visit Valve HQ on the same day that these posts for game hardware were discovered. That's one of the potential hypotheses that maybe Apple's going to work with Valve in designing some piece of hardware. Steam is already available on Mac computers, and there's also a Steam iPhone app. So why CEO Tim Cook would be going over to Valve headquarters just to tour the facility? I don't know. It seems... Quite an interesting courtship routine. And that's another potential hypothesis is what if Apple's trying to buy Valve? Because like, wow. hey, this will get us a leg up and really jumping into the 
gaming world beyond just tablets and they phones. would like own all digital distribution at that point, right? I mean, uh, sort, of, amount, sort, yeah. sort of, sort of, sort like of, like do what Amazon music. has. Yeah, yeah. My God, that would be that'd be a coup. Also, the console would be a coup if they, you know, took like an Apple Mini and figured out how to, you know, just run native. Um, Windows executables. The reason why I kind of scoff at so they wouldn't do that kind of. What they would end up being is it would be some kind of set top platform that that connected right into the Apple, you know, the Apple Store, something along right. those lines. Because I mean, they know where their money's coming from. Right, right. And it may actually be a television with a console embedded in it, because tying up into all this other Valve and then Apple stuff is a fresh new rumor that Apple is going to release a game console this year. Basically, their new mythical, heavily rumored television set is going to have an iTunes-integrated touchscreen remote and Siri-like voice command technology. This comes from Cult of Mac. Mm. So Apple could be talking to Valve about, like, hey, maybe you can develop the uh, software interface that this will use for games. That's going to work. Is that where they're squeezing the last drop of Steve Jobs' blood in? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's so, pretty funny. Would you be interested in an Apple TV that was also an iTunes-enabled game store? It would really have to. It, uh, I'm gonna. I like Apple products, and I would say that I, you're gonna have to show me something that is gonna make that compelling. Yeah, it's not enough with what you just said. Just being iTunes integrated. I mean, no, I agree. Fair enough. I think the only way that I'd be excited about the Apple TV is if the fantastical rumors that it supported 3D graphics without wearing glasses for multiple people at multiple angles. That's the only way I think it would be cool—a holographic TV, which I think we're a bit way we're a ways off from. Yeah, I I think you're right. We're not there yet. So, yeah. Our lifetimes, though, I mean, uh, yeah. we should be there. Yeah, I hope so. We will see. Listeners, let us know what you think about Apple and Valve, Valve's hardware R&D dreams, Apple visiting Valve, Apple having its own console. Send your thoughts into mail. M-A-I-L. Yeah, channelmassive.com. We look forward to hearing from you. That wraps up our intro getting. Now we're going to get into listener feedback. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Servers. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. We have a few emails that include a pretty exciting highlight where a ghost of hosts past makes an appearance. But first of all, Mark, it looks like you pasted in something from a Marcus V. Yeah, there's this <laughs> annoying Marcus V guy that keeps writing in with stuff. 
And um, and he, his name's so, he is an ass, so by the way. Familiar. <laughs> Who is this guy? And we will have to form an invest. Scott, I'd like you to spearhead the committee to <laughs> investigate who this guy is. I think down, I should read Marcus. I think I should read Marcus V's email actually. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. I paraphrased it a bit when I put it in the notes. I know. But go it's ahead. Fine. <laughs> right. See, I took out all the profanity. Mar- exactly. Someone <laughs> Marcus V wrote in about um, a massively article that City of of Heroes is now about to come out with mecha armor at long last. And I wanted to know, as I wrote that in, shock of shocks, I'm Marcus B. Um, what? What? I what? know. Stop the podcast. <laughs> Time for an Shut intervention. The front door. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, why is this news? Is it only news? Be- I mean, they they put it out like this was a great thing. Look at this new, you know, this age game, look, they're still putting new stuff in. And I'm like, okay, that was in Champions when it launched. Been there for a couple of years. It's news because you can pay for it. Well, but the, un- <laughs> the, the odd thing was, is, I mean, they didn't... To me, that was the commenting, the, the, you know, the, the portion of the article that should have been written was, you know, yes, this is a, a nice enhancement to City of Heroes, but... You know, I mean, yeah, but I mean, they they make like a garden gnome, um, you know, outfit, and in that you can buy it too, and that's big news too. It's it's just it's really a bummer, you know. I hate to see. I mean, I guess they have to figure out a way to monetize it, and they're trying to you know kind of come up with their way of doing it. But I just have such fond memories of City of Heroes and City of Villains. Well, I do both of y'all did, but. And I, I, yeah, it's just kind of like, God, really? This is like the big news that you've got mecha armor? How about you get your graphics engine into the uh, 21st century and, and you know, maybe make the sewers not the most compelling thing for a first character, you know, an initial character to run through? I don't know. It's You know what I mean? It's just, ah, just, I want more out of those guys. I want them to, I want them to... I, want them I think to they're take squeezing money out of it now is what they're doing. They are, you know, and it's funny because they have a loyal player base still. Last I heard their subscription um, numbers were in the, like, it was like 100,000 or something like that, which, you know, that's that's not it's bad. It's profitable. It's profitable, yeah. They're making money, but I don't think we're going to see another expansion. I don't think we're going to see anything from them. I think we're just going to see really exciting um, three-piece armor sets that are going to come out at that you can pay for with microtransactions. Well, I really think that's the issue. I mean, you can expand this one little sentence. I think that's the problem with free-to-play games, is that you get this type stuff. Right. Unless they're a AAA title, you don't get large, compelling bl- chunks of stuff. Right. And On average. Now, DDO's made that exception. Some of the Korean games, you know, Runes of Magic, things like that. Um, I mean, but, you know, Runes of Magic here in, in in the States is not really that compelling a game. I mean, there's not a huge player base of that. Yeah. But pretty much everything else, I mean, I think this is the type of updates you get. 
So, so Noah, was this the straw that broke the camel's back and you're resubscribing right away? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to look for a way to resubscribe to this free-to-play game because yeah. it's just, I'm so, so excited compelling. about it. Well, I think yeah. if you get like the, you know, there's like, you know, all the free-to-play options and then there's like some ultra-mega option, which is basically just the subscription, you know? <laughs> yes. And... I could see you doing that and going back through and and um, getting dynamite all outfitted as like Mecha Dynamite, you know. <laughs> dynamite was his 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 little lady. She was this character he had, and she was like a she shot she had guns, and I don't know what her other defensive. Yeah, thing she was, was a blaster. She was a blaster. And she had she fire had, magic. Oh, fire for yeah the uh, alternate one, and guns were her primary. But she was dressed as like kind of like a kind of like a cheerleader with a giant cowboy hat on, and uh, <laughs> she was hilarious. I loved Dynamite. She had chaps at one point. I thought I can't remember. Like she looked like a renegade Dallas cow cowgirls cheerleader. Cheer- sort of. Yep, <laughs> she was awesome. She was pretty fun. I liked to follow her around. <laughs> but anyway, fellow. Hey. <laughs> Hilgi Scott also wrote in. It's really great to hear from Hilgi Scott again. He said, hi, guys. Is Jim doing all right? Is his kickball team doing all right? Do you guys have any interest in the Secret World MMO? And Noah, I see that you're on to Mass Effect 2. Someone's following me on Twitter. I just finished my third playthrough of Mass Effect 1, and I'm on to my third playthrough of Mass Effect 2. Mass Effect 2 is my favorite of the series. I even love scanning planets. Please make Mark play. Hilgi Scott. What do you want me to play? He wants you to the play most a Mass Effect. Dangerous game. <laughs> he wants you to play Mass Effect, I think. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's oh. way better because I didn't want to have to, you know, go on a human, you know, kind of hunting expedition with possible cannibalism. There, well, there's a lot in there. I, I myself, am interested in the Secret World MMO. So. Me too. too. Yeah, I think I we really are all interested in it. I'm. I'm we are like. Interesting to see is how it seems like it, the mystery piece of that game is going to be such the compelling part of it. I'm interested to see how they how they maintain that. Yeah, yeah. could be really anticlimactic. Once the secret yeah. world, I mean, it really could. It could, just, it could all totally secrets. suck. It could just totally suck. Really, I can't easy. remember. Scott, are you Illuminati? Uh, yes. No, 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 Templar. Templar. Oh, right on, right on. Good. That as are uh, me and Tara and I are also. Teamed. I like the Illuminati as well. That's probably my second favorite. I'm just totally not interested in the dragons at all. So, <laughs> which is what Eric wants to play as. He and uh, Tara were going back and forth trying to make and sure. <laughs> <laughs> Eric was telling me he's like, "No, you need to be in the dragon. You need to be in the dragon." And I'm like, "There's never been any question about which faction I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of the Templars." I'm That's a Templar too. Right, but then I, shoot people. I'm a I'm a Templar, but I've always had like this kind of sick fascination with the Knights Templar. So it oh, yeah. was only logical that I uh, was aligned. I may or respect. may not be a part of the Templars or the Scottish Rites Templar, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> By the way, while we're talking Templars, if you want to watch something on Netflix that's interesting, watch Arn A R N. It's a Swedish movie about a uh, Knight, Knights Templar dude who's really cool. 
But also in the news is the dude who shot a bunch of people at the politics camp. He's claiming that he's also a member of the Ninth Simplar. Hmm. So I don't want to be part of his group. Well, actually, my understanding was he was a member of the Forever Knights from the Ben 10 episodes. (laughs) Oh, that's a lot different. So he has like a watch that kind of transforms him into an asshole? Well, no, I was... Do you even know? I mean, the Forever Knights is a bad guy group from Ben 10, the cartoon. No, I know. I, know I, know I have an eight-year-old boy. Yeah. Well, they are based off the Templars, so. Ah. So, Noah, did you really make it to ME2? I did, and I'm going to be talking about that in the What We're Playing segment. And Sweet. Because yeah. you were always over this hump in ME1. If you've made it all the way through the first game, that's, that's saying something. Snowball has begun to roll down the hill, and... Thank you, Hilgi Scott, for following me over on Twitter. Uh, I, I don't know what the channel master Twitter login is, so you won't ever see me tweeting over there. I'm tweeting under oh. twitter.com slash thisisnoah. We could probably dig that up for you. <laughs> <laughs> I could add something new to it, something from within the last week. When you mention mail at channel master, we get emails about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I'm going to... I'll have some comments about your repeated playthroughs, I think that's really impressive. And I can definitely empathize with you, Kilgi Scott, in that I was thinking of there's still a lot of stuff that I'd like to play through in Mass Effect 1. There are side quests that I haven't finished, and uh, I would like to try playing it again as a different, as a female shepherd to see what that's like and try to pick oh, all you're so hooked. renegade options. But I don't know. Well, we'll see. I, I'd rather just get through the games once. Versus get into some kind of... It feels fire. like 2008 again. Yeah, 2007. <laughs> <It's> scary. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm slowly traveling through time, catching up with the rest of everyone. <laughs> Except for me. Exactly. Well beyond me. Smirk, you don't have any plans to play Mass Effect. I'm going to assume. N- not because... Be- due to the logistics of Diablo 3 coming out soon, there's was an excuse. No way in hell. And I bought the collector's edition, by the way. Of which game? Diablo 3. Oh, you did? I thought that you hadn't. No, I wasn't going to do it. I was all, man, never going to play that game. Or, man, it's not important. Or, man, I'm too cool for that. And then I was like, must have collector's edition. Hey, I really really thought the Guild Wars 2 collector's edition thing was pretty cool with that 10-inch char. I mean, that was pretty sweet. The... The Diablo three one's cool. It's got like a Diablo and his his the crystal that goes into his head is actually like a USB flash disc that's got like the all of Diablo two on it. Sweet. <laughs> that's actually you're right. That is pretty cool. It's pretty damn cool, yeah. If there were ever a game I think that you'd get the collector's edition on Mark, it'd be Diablo three, considering how much you just love Diablo two. Yeah, I know. It's like if I if only there was a way to go back in time and make them release a Diablo two collector's edition for me to own, I would have that. Um and Diablo one. I'd have like the whole thing, but yeah, I I like I don't know what happened to me. One day I just I just the last thing I remember was I was putting my credit card away and I had just ordered the collector's edition. And I was like, Damn, how did that happen? And that's Did you do that? Why, you because I thought they were sold yeah. out. No, no, there you can buy them from Best Buy and Target right now. A lot of sites are sold out. Like I usually buy everything from EB Games online because when they say they'll deliver it on a day, they really will. 
or Amazon's pretty good about it too, but neither of those have them in stock. But um, Target and um, Best Buy do. Until until Best Buy is destroyed by Target and Walmart, um, they may well fifty be down. To. Yeah, so still working at it. But yeah, I'm really excited. Sorry, so I just totally so Blizzard activated the sleeper chip to compel you to buy it. Yeah, this my sleeper cell has been activated. I'm the Man- Manchurian candidate. <laughs> and you also were able to secure a response directly from Jim versus having us speak on his behalf. It was remarkably difficult, but I was able to 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 pull the response. Do you want to read it in your special Jim voice? I don't. Do I have a special Jim voice? You could have one. I don't know. I, you do now. <laughs> No, I, I you go ahead, Noah. I think you can All right. you can channel Jim better. I don't have a special Jim voice. He wrote in, Hi, Hilgi Scott. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I have a new job that keeps me quite busy. I played this, the Star Wars Old Republic beta trial, but just didn't feel I had the time or money to invest in playing it after its full release. Most of the games I play are just iPad apps, like Peggle, Plants vs. Zombies, and Machinarium. Unfortunately... None of them allow much potential for cyber sex. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't played kickball in a while. Many people made me promise never to play again. I'm still a militant vegan and an avid cyclist. This year I'm planning a three-day ride through the Rockies and a century in Honolulu. Perhaps one day I'll drop by the podcast for a visit and contribute my utter lack of gaming knowledge to an episode like the good old days. Thanks for thinking of me, Jim. Oh, that's cool. I was glad, glad he was able to respond. Yeah. Uh, and he will now be re, re, uh, cryogenically frozen and return to his mothballed status. <laughs> we just like to pull him out once in a while, mostly for trade shows. But, uh, yeah, back back he goes. <laughs> so just let me confirm, how much does the collector's edition for Diablo 3 cost? $3,000. And yeah. it's... Um, the interesting part is it's all it's all like the case is platinum, and then it's like this handcrafted wood. Um, kind of, the the pages for each each page of the manual is actually a plank of wood, um, and it's hand carved by people who work at Blizzard. Okay, it's a hundred dollars, <laughs> and it includes like uh, you know things you'd expect like the soundtrack, um, a Blu-ray and DVD version of like the making of the game. The weird Diablo thing I was telling you about with the flash disc, um, the game discs, the art of, you know, all the, all, everything you pretty much expect. But it looks nice. really cool. Pretty cool. And, got a, oh, there's some in, other, I'm sorry, one other thing, there's some in-game assets that you can only get through that, which um, the one that I like is you can turn on and off the, the like weird angelic tendrils that Tyrael has for wings kind of on your character and any of your characters. That's pretty and cool. Yeah, there's some there's a couple other things too, but there are some in-game kind of you know, unlocked unlockable features that you only get with the collector's edition. He's trying to collect his commission people. That's all. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they felt I was after I raked the Pandarian expansion over the coals, they reached out to me. And uh, by reach out to me, I mean they invaded my home one night oh, and drugged me and oh, keeping my oh. keeping my 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 family sequestered somewhere until after the Pandarians release. And so yes, uh, I'm only here to help. 
Mark or, or Scott, do you have the game pre-ordered? Are you going to get the collector's edition? Uh, no. No, I'm on both accounts. Um, no, I do not have the collector's edition, and no, I probably will not pre-order. Are you going to get the game? Oh yeah, yeah, I'll get Diablo, but it's not. I'm. I'm I don't have the sickness to the, to the <laughs> that Mark does. <laughs> the Rakul virus, which we should uh, talk about that too. Yes. Um, yeah, I actually kind of like that. That's pretty. I thought it was a pretty cool little at that. Anyway, all right, just checking. Final piece of email from Terror, who wrote in. Great show as always, guys. Whereas I did love Dragon Age Origins, I put over 250 hours into it. I adored the close knit story of Dragon Age Two more. More, I thought the tighter area that you were offered gave a more in depth story. And that you couldn't stretch your character all over the world was a great thing. It let me focus on the things in Kirkwall and the immediate area, and gave a richer area, gave a richer story, in my opinion, than I got in the first game. Now, Dragon Age Two took place during the first game and a few years after, so it's perfectly feasible for any of the characters in the past two games to come back in a third episode. Regarding the companion armor, I loved how it was done in Two. So much nicer than it was in One. I hate managing all my companions' armor and weapons. Terror. Is this a direct comment from a previous show? Yeah, she's talking about our previous episode. The at the last packs, I believe it was Bioware at a panel about Dragon Age, why they canceled the expansion pack and what they were taking into account while potentially, but not confirming, designing a third Dragon Age game. Oh, whatever. The whole second game was written with this... I mean, it was told as a flashback, for Christ's sakes! I mean, come on! (laughs) So we asked listeners to chime in with what do they think should be in Dragon Age 3. And part of our discussion, Mark said that he really liked the first Dragon Age, but didn't like Dragon Age 2 as much. And so Tara's providing a counter-opinion in her feedback. Well, and a, a weaker opinion. Well, I mean, I like both of them, <laughs> and I kidding. actually thought some of the gameplay components were stronger in the second one than the first one. I think they're. I think they rushed content areas. That was their only main flaw in Dragon Age Two. I, I have to say, when it comes to Dragon Age, uh, I don't argue with Terror because she's put more time into it than anyone I've I know. Because she loves both those games so much, so um, um, I'm rethinking my opinion. It is, it is, it is interesting. Well, now that you're away from Dragon Age Two a bit, you're you don't feel as the repulsion from going to the same areas over and over and over and over and over. Right, I I just city the city was compelling, but I totally got that the caves and everything else. You know, I mean, they were all the same, and I understand that. But the she does everything she said. I would agree with most everything she says there. Um, I think Bioware in general learned from Mass Effect One and Dragon Age One, and basically all their current games have the same mechanic for their companions now. So yeah. Besides Star Wars, which oddly I don't mind. So <laughs> I think it's because it's an MMO. So it's a little bit of a pass on that good point Tara great points all of them yes thank you to Tara and Hilgi Scott and Marcus V whoever (laughs) you are Marcus V for writing into the show 
Scott you, will Mark find Steve. you. He will seek you out. <laughs> and also thanks to Jim for giving an update yeah. to our listeners out there. If any of you want to be in next, episode, in next week's episode in the feedback section, send your comments into mail. M-A-I-O. At channelmassive.com. Now we're going to get into what we're playing. Good evening. This is the part of the podcast where I ask you, Noah, what are you playing? <laughs> Thank you, Comrade Mark. You're welcome. <laughs> I Comrade thought he was Mark. the soup Nazi there for a second. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> quite sure where I was headed with it all, but uh, yeah. It ended Speak in now. <laughs> so, as alluded to earlier, and the feedback section, I finished an RPG, my first RPG completion in about six years, sad to say, because I went through so many MMO sidetracks playing City of Heroes, or wait, not City of Heroes, well yeah, City of Heroes, and World of Warcraft, and Warhammer, and Age of Conan, and that was my only experience with RPGs, I just kind of stopped with single player RPGs, and I wasn't sure I could ever do it, but... I had to play Mass Effect, and I have to get through the third Mass Effect. And I got so into it. Once I finally forced my way through the frickin' prologue opening sequence of Mass Effect 1, it just became so addictive. And I finished up the game with about 25 hours of time, which, of course, when I mentioned that to Terror, she's like, wow, you just ripped through that game, just blazed through it, because her first playthrough was 80 hours. <laughs> wow. Yes, but she's, not the, she's not an accurate gauge. My last playthrough through Mass Effect 1 was 14 hours. And that's, yeah, and that's what surprised me is it seemed like there's this, okay, so I, I think I mentioned on a previous episode, there's this planet that you go to, which apparently is a major story sequence. And um, depending on your charisma level and your intimidation level and side quests that you've done, you can lose somebody in your party because of somebody else in your party who's a total freaking obnoxious character <laughs> that I can't stand. And so I'm like, screw this. That's not going to happen. And so I went back to a previous save and I'm like, okay, I need to take care of this other character's side missions. And I need to turn off the auto leveling. Cause as you may recall, I started the game completely casual. I'm like casual mode challenge, auto level myself, auto level, my teammates auto save. Don't want to think about any of that crap. Let's just get through this game so I can get on to the quote-unquote good one, Mass Effect 2. And it turns out Mass Effect 1 is a fantastic game. And Oh, yeah, it's great. The, the the one, if anything, the story in one is one of the of the three. I, it's arguably, it's the strongest. I think it, mechanically the game had some issues that, you know, kind of hurt its compelling piece more than, I mean, I mean have you started Mass Effect 2 yet? I have started Mass Effect 2, and holy cow, it is! it has such a different feel to it. It's it's refined. It is a very refined version of the first one. And you'll, that's the, you know, I still find the first game's story very compelling. It's and really fun cool. to And fun to go through. Yeah. It's, but the mechanics, once you go through the second one, you'll be like, oh, why am I, you know, it's... <laughs> It's like trying to drive a, an indie car and going back to driving like a street car. <laughs> What's interesting though is that I was expecting Mass Effect 2 to be revelatory as far as the gameplay was 
concerned. And I also knew that there was a lot of good stuff for side characters as far as the story is concerned. Um, but there are some things that are in the second one that I don't like. They actually complicate things. And everything that I'd read about Mass Effect 2 was that it was supposed to simplify and streamline everything. But when you go from having to not worry at all about ammo, and then you have to start actually looking for it in the level and gathering it and reloading your gun as you do in the second game, that seemed kind of stupid. But it doesn't it hasn't held me back too much because I'm still playing on casual. Uh, <laughs> but then also that, that navigating between planets... It's no longer you're just selecting items in a menu. You have to like put, 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 put your little ship around. And then that you actually run out of fuel and you have to buy fuel if we're actually going to fly around the galaxy. Just It just threw me off. And, and then the mining aspect, which... Which the you have to do, game, by the way. Yeah, you have to do. It's not it's not optional like it is in the first game. If but you, you want have any to, of your party to survive, you, you want to be ready to go towards the end of that story just yeah giving you a heads up well that's and that's good to know because i know there's a suicide mission at the end of the second one and i i'm sure that i'm gonna want to save everybody unless there's another hack and it is possible to save everybody now and there'll be several that you won't care about whether they do or not <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's already like a bitch in this game and i'm like is she gonna stop being a bitch or not i don't know but still, yes oh no miranda's awesome I have, a, I have a feeling she has potential. She has better potential than Ashley did in the first game, who really annoyed me. Ashley doesn't get hot till the third game anyway. So, Well, she's not going to get a chance to get hot. In my <laughs> <game>. <laughs> it's heresy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what Scott's referring to, Mark, is that you have to actually mine minerals in order to upgrade your weapons and your armor. Oh. Um, but there's so much more customization. You also, can customize- your ship. Oh, okay, and your ship, which is totally redesigned. Still has super huge loading times in between each floor, but still it's it's a really cool, slick design. And the gunplay, it's even more Gears of War-ish. It's a lot easier to handle going into cover and going out of cover. And it has kind of a Dead Space vibe to it. It really Although does. Yeah. Say is there's this like evil <laughs> menaces in the game, because I knew about that there was the elusive man who you're – stuck working with and this was something else that i struggled with is that i play paragon that's what i do i'm playing good guy whatever and you would think that once you're under the employee of a pseudo-terrorist organization as a paragon you're supposed to say i don't really trust you i don't really like this but if you make those choices you get renegade aka bad guy points which is really frustrating to me it's like i think if you're somebody who's like super goody goody two shoes that you should be within your rights to protest and argue against this new employer of yours who does horrific experiments and, and other things, terrorist, yeah. terrorist preserving humanity. And yet you don't, you get dinged for it. And it's like, Argh! but that said, I still so love you the could co- argue though, that you're a par- you're supposed to be a paragon for all of life versus the reapers. And at the moment in, in two where you're at Cerberus is the only one that sees the real threat. Yeah. Which, the the other menaces in the game are these things called the collectors, and I didn't know what the collectors were. I just knew that they were something that was evil that was in the game. And I have to tell you, after all the super cool ex- uh, story and creature designs and culture designs from the first game, when the first reveal of the collectors basically reveals them to be like a bunch of flying grasshoppers that have this elaborate like uh, economy and society, and yet they're two inches long not scary, not interesting, kind of stupid. 
And what? I hope that it gets better than that. Yeah, because like in the first mission, it's like, oh my god, oh my god, do you see that bug flying around on the screen? It's the collectors. I'm no, like, no, though that's like what they use to take over people. Oh, okay. That's like a swarm of insects that they use to paralyze. So those insects aren't literally the collectors. That's correct. They're they're just because yes, no super cheesy. The the collectors tie into the first game. Okay. Well, don't tell me anything more about the. Switch. I'm not going to tell you. They're cool. All right. Um, cool. All right. Well, good. Well, that's good to know. Um, so, other than a few misgivings, I'm really excited about it. And Mark, I just have to tell you, story is so well done. Dialogue's really well done. Yeah, there's texture popping like crazy. Driving the Mako around a Mass Effect one is kind of goofy, but it's still kind of fun. Um, and as it turns out, if I didn't want to do that side quest, I could have probably finished the game in like 12 or 14 hours. Ooh, yeah, if you really go through, if you really hoof it and just, you just go to the main story. It's, it's like it's done. And so I realized that even though I played it for 25 hours, I could have cut 12 hours out of that because I'm like, all right, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to backtrack so I don't lose that character that I really like. And uh, and then I'm like, well, I'm going to do this side quest. And then I'm going to do this side quest. And I, oh, I'm almost going to do this too. And then I ended up added in like 12 more hours of game time. And I went back to that plan. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the end of the game. How could I get to this 10 hours into an, an RPG? Wow. Did, you, yeah. did you find um, all of the other side companions from the first game compelling? Like to me, like the whole Kurgan thing excellent um yeah love the kurgans the krogans the krogans yeah 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 yes really fantastic creature design and a really cool culture and that they have this whole biologic or genocidal disease thing from another alien race it's just it's so cool really compelling and i thought that uh garris was really cool as well he's my favorite character yeah he was always in my party he went and kaiden I also add as well. They're my go-to people. But yeah, it's it's really fun, Mark. And the end game is just cool. so well done. It's very Battlestar Galactica, very in, intense and just like, whoa, over the top and a really satisfying ending. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I have to keep playing. And I got really compulsive about it. So I need to be careful about these RPGs because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm going to play for another hour, another two hours, and then I played for nine hours. And then I finished. Like, <laughs> screw work. Now, Noah, I don't when you, need that When job. you find... When uh, one of the, I would say one of the those gotcha moments that I had in that made Mass Effect so good was, um, you know, you go through this this big cutscene in the uh, in case Mark ever plays it, I'm not going to really go through all of it, but you know, you go through this very compelling cutscene at the very beginning, and it's kind of wrenching, and then when when they reveal the the Normandy. In the second game, oh yeah, that's just like, and it's like it's so, that's really really well done. I mean, you're just like that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it has an incredible beginning, and just the whole setup of the game, and what makes it so like oh my gosh, this kind of sucks. But it's like, how do you get out of it? How do you deal with it? It's a really fantastic premise. So, yeah, uh-huh. the first game has an incredible ending and then leads into an incredible beginning and premise for the second game. So, yeah, I'm sold. Well, looking on the bright <laughs> side, maybe Diablo 3 will just suck. And I'll have an opportunity to play these sooner than later. <laughs> and then I can finally talk about this crap. <laughs> Noah, you have, you have to have Mass Effect 3 done by 
packs, and then we'll just kick Mark out of the room or whatever, and yeah. Oh, yeah. we no get worries, this long Mass Effect discussion. So Yeah, I jumped um, into Xenoblade Chronicles, which is a really great Wii RPG. Very, It's a JRPG. It's Japanese style. Really uh, choosing... It's, it's so different from Mass Effect and anything Bioware does because it's very linear, but it has this huge, huge open world and some pretty interesting gameplay mechanics and that it takes place on the body of a gigantic titan. Essentially, there's these two titans that have battled throughout time and they finally... Is killed. that a titan versus a titan? Yeah, they're like, or they're gods, I'm not sure. One's, bi- one's uh, human, organic, and one is uh, mechanical. And this whole society ends up flourishing on the surface of the, the titan's bodies, but the, these mechanical robots are swarming over from the mechanical god and attacking the humans and it's just this whole concept where the game world exists on the body of a of a giant which is so weird it's covered with you know grass and buildings and villages and everywhere you see you can go to you even when you go past buildings and towns you can actually see through the windows and see into the buildings so it's some pretty remarkable feats for a Wii game but oh it's like i really want to play mass effect 2 as well so but xenoblade is like a 60 hour rpg i'm not sure if i'm ready for that tough of a challenge. So we'll see <laughs> if I can juggle them both. Yeah, wow. So that's my what I've been playing. I've not played any League of Legends. For real. Just none. For the reals. What about yeah. you, Scott? What have you been playing? Well, um, a lot of Star Wars, which we will talk about in a little bit. Um, and uh, a fair amount of World of Tanks. I have uh, cool. passed my thousandth match. Wow. In World of Tanks, which, you know, I mean, I, the, I think they average seven to eight minutes, so that's not, you know, I mean, it's not like a thousand matches in, in you know, League of Legends, you know. <laughs> no, no, not right. a thousand Dominion games or anything, but um, um, still, still really enjoy that game. Um, you know, I, I kind of cut my teeth early on in gaming in, in first-person shooters and, and that whole thing. And um, I mean, you know, I always like the tactical stuff, like the uh, Rainbow Six and, and sort of that genre. And uh, but I'm getting older now, and uh, you know, my Twitch skills are not where they used to be. <laughs> um, and uh, it gets a little frustrating because I'm, you know, I still know what I want to do. I just can't, you know, I just can't compete at that level as like I would want to. But World of Tanks is much more methodical, and then. Um, you know, there's a lot of tactics and strategy involved, and and um, it's you know that slowing it down in that way just really. I mean, I really enjoy that game. I mean, there's just I had you know every once in a while I just have these moments. I mean, we were you know a map I've played a thousand times, and a couple of guys on my team are kind of stuck behind some rocks and they're just sort of trading shots with these three guys up on up on this island on a hill, and I kind of. I'm able to sneak around to the bottom and just drive up the hill, and I turn and I shoot shoot one to the right, turn my turret around, take a shot, shoot the shoot the next one, ram the third one, and shoot him right in the face, and and killed all three of them. And I'm just like, ah, I love yeah. this game. Life is good. <laughs> and then I then an artillery strike kills me in the next forty seconds, but <laughs> so. it didn't matter. It didn't matter because that was you have those That's moments, cool. and it's just every once in a while you just get on a you just get on a roll, and it's just like I'm just the master of this battlefield at this moment. And because it's not, I mean, the fastest gun 
you know, decent sized cannon that you have may fire 14 shots a minute. Right, right. So, I mean, you fire, if you do something wrong, you're watching the, you know, <laughs> having to sit there and watch it reload. You're like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Right. <laughs> faster, faster. <laughs> load, that's, damn it, load. That's cool. That's actually pretty cool, though. And I mean, you know, they're, you know, you get zoomed in, and so you're facing off against another tank, and you've got them in your sights, and you're watching your your gun reload, and right. I mean they're a heavy tank, and like you see them turn, and their cannon, you know, the muzzle on their cannons is half the size of your screen. Is like oh, I'm about to die. <laughs> Can I get my shot off before he does? You know, this and that will not be pleasant. It's uh, pretty compelling. I I yeah. really enjoy that game. That's and cool. you know they're coming out with uh, World of War, World of Warplanes, which looks like it's going to be cool too. So that's one I'm looking forward to. That looks cool. I, I'm, I just I'm have hoping a for vintage, you know, World War II aircraft and stuff. Well, and you know, World of, the tank game is fairly arcadey. I mean, it's not like a simulator in any right. stretch of the imagination. And I'm really hoping that World of Warplanes is the same way yeah. to make it approachable. Um, I think the way they monetize it is is pretty brilliant. Um, you know, to where you you know you basically can buy like they call it gold, but for lack of a better term, it's tokens that you can either convert um, experience that from you know you have uh, experience for your crew, and then you also have research items. You know, different faster motors, better guns. You know different style turret, heavier treads, you know, all this. And it, they're all kind of based on the, the model tank you're working on. But when you when you fill up all of those items, well, the last thing that you get with experience is tank into the next tier, then which you also have to go buy in the store. But you gain credits while playing the game, so it's you you don't have to spend money really to to get anything. It's just time. Because mm. once you once you kind of build all the components you can for a tank, it you become an elite on that tank. Where you get more, um, uh, it becomes a money maker for you. Basically, you get a little more money, and any of those experience you still gain experience on that tank, but you don't do anything with it. Well, you can use their coin system to convert that experience into usable experience across all your tanks. So you can you know, if you've if you've kind of kept five or six tanks in your garage, you can kind of front load all this experience and and really kind of you know, chop through the grind on a tank that maybe you, you want to get to the next tier, you don't really like the one that you're using, that kind of thing. You can you don't really have to play it that much. You can always play these others and if you're willing to spend real money you can convert that experience to kind of fill in all the slots on the tank that you're not having any fun with to go ahead and go up to the next one. Right. Really, really good idea. I mean, just the way that they've, um, and you can, you know, you can, they do have tanks you can buy for in-game gold that you would spend real money for, but none of them are any better. And in a lot of cases, they're not as good as other tanks you can get within the tiers. So, um, very, very, very good. Well, well done game. I like it a lot. So, cool. That's been pretty much it. Star Wars and that. Um, I've played maybe uh, 
25 minutes in Champions in the last few weeks, just just goofing off. And um, let's see, what else? A lot of Bejeweled Blitz on my iPad. Oh, that's cool. I see, see uh, Jason plays that a lot on Raptor uh, reports on him. It's a one-minute game, so, I mean, it's, you know, because it's one minute. I mean, it's a blitz. It's what how oh, high can cool. score in a minute, so I have oh, nowhere near nice. Jason's score, but, <laughs> but right. it's still fun. Oh, cool. Well, let's see what I've been playing uh, for the week. I've been playing a lot of Spider-Man and Friends on the Xbox 360 with my son. <laughs> um, Spider-Man and Friends? Yeah. <laughs> it's really is it, cool. Is it hyphenated? It's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> is it in apostrophe, Friends? Yeah, The Reckoning. Well, I mean, no, um, is it is it Spider-Man and Friends, or is it Spider-Man? Spider-Man and Friends. <laughs> yeah. Is it Friend or Foe, or is it actually a different game? I think it's, I don't, may, well, you know, that's a great question. I'll look it up. I, uh, I I've just have, never heard of Spider-Man and Friends. It sounds maybe it funny. is Friend or Foe. Uh... <laughs> It's friend or foe, I'm sure. It's um <laughs> maybe you're right. Maybe it's friend or foe. Uh, yeah, I guess it is. I'm sorry, I'm confused because of all the damn TV shows. But anyway, we've been playing. Um, we've been playing it like nightly, and um, we're all, we're we have one more. Um, Oh, it's Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, which was the horrible cartoon from the 80s. That's what got me screwed up. Anyway, yeah, Spider-Man, Friend or Foe. Um, but we've been playing that nightly. Like, we'll just do, like, one level a night or whatever. And uh, it's going pretty well. He's been schooling me. Like, we were playing, and he got Venom. And, and, um, and so, basically, it's, you know, a two-person co-op. And usually, it's a villain you're aligned with. And... So we were playing, and he was always Spider-Man, and then we got Venom, and he's like, you play Spider-Man. So I played Spider-Man, and finally he was like, all right, you play Venom. And I'm like, okay. So there was this ability, he kept doing his Venom, and I'm like, how do you do that? And so he's like, oh, you do this. And you know, I was like, oh, that should have been obvious to me. But Press X. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it's cool. You know, yeah, hold it, hold down the B key or whatever, but... Um, but yeah, so we've been playing that and I've been enjoying that. It's been about my only console gaming. Um, I've been playing, um, uh, Star Wars Old Republic, which we'll talk about that later because most of what I've been playing through is stuff, you know, based on the, either my own little trying, my, my desperate mission to complete my storyline before Diablo three comes out <laughs> and then, um, just screwing around with the legacy patch. So we'll talk about that when we get to that round table discussion, Point and then I've been playing just a little bit of League of Legends, um, not too much, just enough to remember how much I love that game. And um, then um, Noah was kind enough to throw me a uh, Dota 2 um, beta key. And by so way I played of Ryan. By way of Ryan, so thank you Ryan and yeah. thank you Noah. And um, so I played that last night for the first time. And uh, it's interesting we have this um, that we had a a story to talk about, about Dota 2 through the eyes of a League of Legends player. And um, I'm I'm a little different just because I played Dota extensively. I mean, I played a ton of it. I, I really, really played way too much Dota. I played it with Noah, but I also played it just all the time, you know, 
on my own and um, just clocked a lot of hours and really enjoyed a couple, you know, there are a few different um, characters that I really enjoyed, but the Clinks the Bone Fletcher was my favorite by far. Most would say because he's the most cheesy, but I really enjoyed him. But um, I was shocked because Dota 2 actually had him, uh, so I was able to play him last night. Uh, so that was kind of cool, a bit of a reunion. But, um, yeah, it's those those kind of been... Been, that's been that's what I have been playing. Well, what was your vibe on Dota 2? I mean, did you feel that once that game comes out, that's going to be your new favorite MOBA game? Or do you think you're going to split the difference between that and League of Legends? Or will you still ultimately remain loyal to League of Legends? Yeah, I'm the latter. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just relegate Dota 2 to the Hero of newer, Heroes of New Earth uh, category of... Hey, that's a really stunningly well done implementation of Dota, and um, you know, good luck surviving the uh, um, Blizzard lawyers for, you know, all of the digital assets, you know, the likenesses of all of your characters to those who were, um, you know, characters in uh, Warcraft Three. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, it's just too slow and sluggish for me. Um, I'm so used to League of Legends, and I'm really such a big fan of Dominion. But even even just the regular 5v5 map, the what's that called? The uh, Summoner's Rift. Summoner's Rift is is to me way faster paced than Dota One or Dota Two, and Dota Two doesn't do anything to pick up the pace. Um, and you know, it's it's great. It's a total, totally better. It's better done with, you know, the audio's better, the video's better. Everything's better than Dota 1, but it's still just Dota. And I've moved on, you know. I I, I, I really, really like what League of Legends offers, and I'm, I'm loyal to it. And everybody's going to say, oh, you're just, you know, you're a noob, and you can't possibly play Dota too well because, you know, you're just crappy. And, you know, whatever. It's like that's... That's um, yeah, the stereotypical response. Right, it's like you just don't get the brilliance of it. Well, no, I played it forever, and I've I've moved on. It's like, you know, I don't want to go back and play um, Duke Nukem if I can be playing something that's a you know a recent um, you know FPS shooter that's got you know a lot of cool stuff. Definitely not Duke Nukem Forever, but I mean, I'm just I've, I've moved on, and League of Legends has a lot of things figured out. They do a lot of things right. The only thing they don't do really well, I don't think at this point, that Dota 2 offers are the replays, uh, and the uh, spectator mode's not quite as good. And I think Dota 2, um, like Heroes of New Earth, has a... Um, you, you can chat, but I don't think it has as good of a... I don't think it has a, um, a VoIP function. You know, I know League of Legends doesn't. I think Dota 2 might have one, but it's not that great. I don't know. I'm not sure. I didn't flesh fill. I didn't. I did not experience it last night, but I saw something in passing that that's one of the features it's supposed to have. Which I think, if you had a really good VoIP for communications, it would it would add a whole new level to uh, League of Legends. So there's things League of Legends could do to um, you know match some of the features that Dota 2 is launching with. But I just think the whole gameplay thing, the um, the, ch- the way the champions are done, are, I think they're way um, more interesting to me. Their their powers and abilities and everything are, and their weaknesses are way better done than what I recall from Dota One. And I can only assume Dota Two being like this, just complete and total 
you know, upgraded version of Dota 1 is going to have kind of the same, uh, you know, lack of variety there. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they, ha- I know it launches with a ton of champions, and I got to play my beloved Clinks the Bone Fletcher and ganked a lot of people my my first time back. Um, didn't we didn't actually win though, um, but uh, it was it was you know it was kind of neat to play play him again, but not nearly as fun as playing Sona or, um, you know, some of the other League of Legends champions that I really enjoy. So that's my take on it. Good to hear. Thank you All so right. much, Noah, for providing me with that key. And Ryan, by extension, it was, yeah. it was really, I wasn't expecting that, and it was really cool. It was really seamless. You know, you gifted it over to me, and I had it installed, like, you know, within 20 minutes and was able to play. It was fast, wasn't it? Yeah, it's pretty fast, and it's pat- it patched again today. I just noticed my Steam client was patching it, so I don't know. Pretty neat, though. But thank you again, and uh, yeah, that's what I've been playing. That's a wrap for that area. Now we're going to get into our full official roundtable on the legacy patch for Star Wars The Old Republic. For tonight's roundtable discussion, um, it might seem limited that it's just about Star Wars Old Republic and their patch, but it's like the god patch for their game. I mean, it's been, it was heralded with the arrival of angels and doves in the air, literally, um, and it was a long time coming, and there were some really interesting comments on the on the forums that I, I, I had mentioned to Noah, and I don't know if Scott saw these, but some of the some of the posts were like, I'm done with Star Wars The Old Republic. I True, I did max too out my late. character in 15 days, but this is coming too late. I, I expected this to happen on day two of the launch. You know, uh, you know, I've just run out. I've exhausted all the content because I don't do anything else in my life, and I'm really disappointed, and I can only play the one character. I can't possibly try, you know, all the all eight different storylines or whatever it is. So, but, um, you know, there was a whole bunch of those types of, of posts on the forums that were just really funny, typical MMO burnout mode, you know. Mm. They followed the, followed the game for three years, and then they consumed everything it had to offer in 15 days and were utterly... Uh, discouraged after that, but yes. the the God patch, also called the Legacy patch, did arrive. Um, it included quite a few, um, you know, features. One, uh, the primary thing being that there's this Legacy system where you, for a while now, we've been earning experience. I think it's after you complete Act One that you start to yeah, that's when you start Legacy experience. Um, and so you'd get, you'd finish like a quest or something or kill a foe and you'd see your XP and your legacy XP. And, um, you're like, what's this legacy XP do? Well, nothing until the God patch comes out in the future, but for now you'll just be quietly accruing it and, um, know that it will all be for the good of mankind. So the legacy patch allows you to take advantage of that by, um, you know, uh, well, for one thing, things were unlocked. Like if you say, for instance, I was playing as a, I'm playing as a Sith warrior, a Juggernaut, and one of my core, I have one of these core abilities that is a buff, and now that buff can be applied as a sec, it's like a secondary kind of effect to any of the core buffs of any other characters I make. 
So, like, if I make a um, smuggler or something like that, even though that's, you know, a totally different alignment that's on the, the Republic's, or the, uh, yeah, the Republic side, when they, I don't know what that is, I don't know, maybe Scott knows, whatever their buff is, I'll have this as a secondary bonus, I'll have my um, Sith Warriors buff applied as well. Yeah, it's, uh, theirs is um, a, a critical hit. Yeah. So you can kind of imagine where this is going. It's like really encouraging you to, you know, level every single thing you can, and then all your characters will have all these things unlocked and, um, you know, have all these kind of cool buffs. You also get abilities that will be kind of inherited, and you can also start to build a hierarchy with your with your characters as far as relationships. So I only have two characters that I really play much. One's a Sith warrior and he's my main and then i have a sith sorcerer sorceress i guess you'd call her and she's you know kind of like my right now my bank mule type or auction house type (laughs) mule from wow terms and um so i made her like the daughter of my dude and i thought that was kind of cool how how easy it was to kind of set up that that relationship you can have marriages um uh what was one was like um, nemesis or you know yeah if they're, they're cross faction they're either um, their rival or men, or nemesis or um, <laughs> nemesis the yeah. nemesis so it's kind of cool how you can kind of define these relationships among your own characters and they also can share you know the family name um, so I I'm a big fan of the Gap Cycle which is a, a sci-fi series by Stephen R Donaldson so. My sorceress's name is uh, now Morn Highland, which is like one of the main protagonists from that series. My dude's name is Bane, of course, because I always go with that name, but I gave him the same last name. So I have like kind of like a family name. Um, what one interesting thing as well is when you, you have a uh, um, certain race class combo. So let's say you're playing a oh, Sith, yeah. pure, pure blood or on the Empire side, you, Sith, the, the race Sith, can only be Sith to start with. Right. Um, the uh, Once you reach level 50, that opens that race up for all the other classes that they normally could not be, including <laughs> the other side. Right. So See, a Jedi. You could have, you could have a Sith blood. Jedi. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty awesome. So. Because like, I mean, man. come up with some compelling backstory as to why there, you know, there's a pure blood Sith. That would be that would be really make for some interesting like Jedi Academy stories. Like, why is little uh, Timmy always trying to force choke everyone? Well, he's red. And <laughs> well, here's the thing, you know, you um, that's an ability. Once you, uh, I think that's one of the Juggernauts' yep. signature abilities. Once you reach level fifty, is everybody can get force choke. I know. And the way they the way they limit that is it's only usable on the alternate characters when they activate that hero, emo, you know you have a, that oh yeah 30, the, thirty second hero buff where you know it's, right. this is a special moment you know in your story or whatever, and um, you can only activate that when you have a companion character activated, so it won't be usable in PvP, and so it's not really game breaking or anything like that, and it's you know it has a pretty long refresh on that thing, so. It will be cool when my Jedi counselor was force really, chokes. really well done. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. It, uh, well, I mean, if you about think about it, cool. there's precedent. Luke force chokes a, a guard in Jabba's palace. 
Tosi. And who's his dad? A juggernaut. Well, there you go. Um, one thing, let's see, one thing it did improve that I really liked that I thought was, um, I really saw this as a, like a, I, I didn't really see it as a Jesus patch. I didn't really think the game <laughs> needed a Jesus patch, frankly. Yeah. Um, but I saw it as like a, a, a life improvement patch. They did a lot of little things that just made it a lot easier to kind of manage. One that I found was really compelling is um, in your inventory, you have, you know, your your regular inventory currency, which includes like coins from the different planets and things like that, and then mission items. Well, the nice thing now is if you had a mission item where you had to, you know, use a scanner on a droid or something like that, you had to actually open that window and have that tab open to use the item or drag it to your hotbar. Now now it's next to the quest. it's next to the quest in the quest tree, and that is yeah. just so nice. Right. Um, the other thing is, you know, the UI improvements. You know, I kind of, the last time we talked about this, I thought, that's not, you know, I don't really need that. It's not that big of a deal. I thought the UI wasn't bad to begin with, but that's really nice. <laughs> it is nice, yeah. Being, being able to adjust that stuff around is really nice. I was, yeah. I did not... One thing that I found, I don't know if you ran across this or not, but um, when you kill some um, a creature, there the window of time before you can that you can pick up the item. No, oh, yeah, that's him, that's way is quick, way fast, like to the point yeah. of you better be conscious of doing it, or you're not going to get the stuff. Yeah, I like that, and um, and and yeah, that's. That's a definite. I, at, at first, I thought it was a bug. Like, whoa, right. they they broke that. But I think it's, um, I think it's intentional. But I'm not really sure why that was needed. I didn't yeah. see it. Was, I didn't see it as broken before. I don't mind it. It was just something I needed to, you know, t- to be aware of. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think all the little things they did. It was. It's a good patch. Um, you know, I like yeah. that. Uh, I liked the um, the costume piece. I don't think it's you know where you can link all your the color palettes to your chest piece. Yeah, and the and the uh, higher texture patch uh, texture uh, for the, for like up close scenes of your of your character. Oh yeah, too. Yeah, and that that really. I mean, both of those I really liked. Um, I immediately did the color lineup thing, and it looks a lot better. Yes, yes, it does. Well, and the thing is, you can turn that on or off on individual pieces if you want. Right, right. Because you really—it's so not like an all or nothing. Um, right. It's not as good as what like Guild Wars implemented with die packs and all of that. No. But, but still, pretty well done. Yeah. Um, it seems to work okay. Apparently, there was this one helmet bug for a couple of days, but I think they've got that straightened out. So, yeah. Overall, I've I've liked it. Now. We alluded to this, but there's uh, the uh, the Ratgul outbreak. Yeah. It's not part of the legacy patch. It is an unannounced patch that they threw into the game, where basically there's a Ratgul, uh, you know, which is outbreak version of zombieism or whatever you well, want to call it. What what I think it is. It, tell me if you think it's kind of funny, but remember how when they had the the plague bug and wow and everything went to hell and 
it's almost like they're thumbing their noses at, at Blizzard and saying, so this is how you do this. Yeah. See? And it's, it's really, it was, it's really well done. I mean, it's I just way well to, done, yeah. I just happened to have a character that happened to be on Tatooine. And, I mean, like how, I mean, it, it, it's really well done. I was really <laughs> impressed with it. I was at so when it first hit when I first found out about it I was at the um I was up at the Imperial fleet wandering around and on the intercom it came on and it came on for the first time while I was logged on because everybody in general chat was like what the hell is going on and then um there was another area where there was a big there were a bunch of screens set up and it was like a newscast, like a you know, like a Fox News update, you know, Afghan Afghanistan attacks or something like that. And it was like, you know, check this out. There's this outbreak, and you know, we've a Tatooine is, um, you know, uh, quarantined. No one is advised to go there. Blah 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 blah. It was really cool. And the next thing you know, um, I see this guy with this green cloud around him. I get too close to him. I start bending over, double coughing. And then right then my PvP queue um, go, triggers, and I'm in PvP, and I'm running around, and I'm you know I'm doing my normal thing, just trying to kill everything in sight, and I start doubling over and coughing randomly, and I'm getting like uh, I'm uh, my quest is progressing because I'm infecting people, and I'm like oh my god, this so is good. pretty darn cool, yeah. It was just really cool because it was so unexpected. I didn't expect it to happen. In PvP, you know, everybody was, like, you know, bitching about the strategy, but still going, what the hell is going on with this stuff? So it was really kind of neat how they did it. I do feel like they thumbed their nose at Blizzard and said, well, you can actually have a, you know, a plague <laughs> break out and not cause everything to destroy itself. So yeah, I, I, I kind of liked the, I like to me, the, you know, the family tree thing was nice, but it's not compelling content in that sense um but i do like how when you open up new things it it affects you know you the new race character combinations to me is that's brilliant for a legacy thing oh it's um, really cool then you know we talked about well does this make star wars feel more or less like an mmo i don't think the legacy patch did but i do think the route rat goo outbreak did quite a bit yeah yeah um yeah, that was pretty cool. I hope they do a lot more stuff like that because that that was just awesome to have the news channel going. Yeah, and the what fact is that going they on? Didn't, I mean, it's such a it's a game that's so far in people's minds that uh, you know it's it's I mean it is you know it's in in MMO circles it's you know it's daily news things about this game and that kind of stuff and this one came right out of the blue and nobody was aware yeah. of it before it patched. Bang. I was oh. impressed because yeah. it was it was ballsy to put so many features into the legacy patch. You know, UI customization, um, you know, um, Guild Bank, Guild Bank, uh, you know, all the other stuff we've talked about, the customization stuff for your colors, um, you know, all these different features that have been tracked, um, new content as far as you know, in-game stuff. Um, so they put all that into this one patch, and then they go, oh, and we're going to also release a, a secret patch that's going to have this Rackool outbreak with content that lines up with it as well. Um, pretty pretty cool, really. Yeah, I've, 
I, I mean, glad. I still think I still think Star Wars suffers a little bit from the fact that it has such compelling single player content. It does. It does. It's really fun. It's you know, it's kind it's, of like it's playing. almost it's almost too fun by yourself. It is kind of Kotar three sometimes, you know, um, but that's cool. I enjoy it. I don't mind that. Sometimes I no, I don't. The, I don't the, either. The, here's what I I what my complaints are. Here's what they got to do. I think they need to either do a server consolidation because there's way too the the population is spread way too thin right now, and I don't see anything that's going to happen to make the dub, the numbers like double or triple or quadruple. Or they need to get the cross-server um, PvP and cross-server um, looking for group functionality going that WoW has. So that, you know, I know in WoW it's battle groups, the equivalent thing. They need to get that going quickly. That's got to be like their next priority. Because I cannot get into any, um, you know, four... Four-player heroic stuff, two-plus heroic. I do the two-plus heroics myself. I just wait till I've leveled up enough. Yeah, Yeah. but like the four-player stuff, I would love to know what that stuff is. Um, Even you know, flashpoints seem to not be so hard to find groups for. But still, I think they really should focus on getting the cross-server, you know, basically hookup service thing going with the looking for group, dungeon finder, whatever. If you notice. Like I play pretty extensively on a PV, PVE server, a right. lot of different tunes. Probably have six or seven tunes on there, and I think its population density is pretty close to what we have on the PVP server that I play my bounty hunter on. Mm-hmm. Except it doesn't feel so bad on the PVE server because because I'm not expecting that compelling open-world PvP content that kind of makes PvP PvP servers fun. Right. You don't... Right. I mean, our our server does not feel like a PvP server. No, I, I mean, it really doesn't. I, I've been ganked three times so far, and that's it. And I've seen... And aside from the three times I've been ganked, there's been, two, like, two other occasions where I've seen, uh, you know, a Rebellion character roaming around somewhere, and I didn't even... Because it was just so rare and shocking to me to actually see one of them, I was just, you know, more about just finishing my my, my mission up and just moving on than trying to gank them. So, like, the open-world PvP stuff, it's just not even... It does, it's not even there. ...front of mind really. for me, so... I, I, I do... I think in that sense, they do need to consolidate those the, the PvP servers. Yeah. To make, just, to make that very... A very heavy loaded population servers all yeah, of them. and i, and I only PV, have pve servers that cross server you know the battlegrounds or you know uh pvp you could do some cross server populating because of those instances but you couldn't really do that with open world pvp no so i do yeah, think, I think you need to consolidate some of those servers so that or just zone the open world stuff too, you know, so that yeah, it yeah, feels open world, um, which WoW did. But I think the interesting thing I've noticed is in PvP, um, I, I've heard only anecdotal evidence to support this, but what I've heard is that there are more um, Empire players than Rebellion players pretty much across all the servers. 
but pretty much. What I've yeah. also found in PvP is that the the rebellion players seem to be better than we are, <laughs> unless I'm just so bad that I'm bringing the team down single handedly. Uh, we seem to be out outclassed in every single uh, PvP battle I've played in, and I don't know what's going on there. I don't know Except if it's balanced. You would think yeah. that sorcerers seem to be doing really, really well versus, I mean, they're the same class as a sage, and the sage don't, they don't do near as well as yeah. sorcerers for some reason. But so yeah, I, I've, I've heard that as well, and I, and I mean, what PvP I've done, I've seen that as, as well, as it's easier to um, to get a group on the, uh, on the Empire side than it is the, the Republic okay. side. Yeah, the cues don't seem that bad, even though it's not. No, no, they're not. I mean, it's and it's not. I don't think it's you know to a level where it's broken or anything like that. No, not at all. But um, I think the you know the bounty hunter and the Sith um, are just compelling. Totally. Yeah. You want to be Darth Vader, you right? Don't mm-hmm. as, you don't see as many um, Imperial agents. Right. As you do bounty hunters. Although and, those guys do some serious damage. Yeah, they're they're pretty slick. But uh, yeah. now, is this a reason for X subscribers to come back? <laughs> it depends on why they left. Yeah, I think I I really don't think there's nothing in there to go. You know, the game was lacking in X, and now that they've released this, I'm going to come back. I don't really think there's anything in there to that level, or even. <laughs> Yeah. I think it, I mean, it really was, it's interesting in that this is the kind of patch that most games get around the year one yeah, window. Yeah, that's true, right. It is, it is that I want to enhance the user experience patch, not really, because I mean, there was content, but it wasn't just this gigantic little hump of new content. It was, you know, it was a lot of these little features that just make it, a more refined product, but most of yeah. the time, that's the year one patch for most, you know, for most MMOs. Yeah, and this they is listed, what, two months, three months, yeah, three months, right? They listed some incremental bug fixes, but I think mostly they're bug fixing week to week, and this was almost all features, you know, yeah. new features. This wasn't fixing anything that was horribly broken, you know, in my opinion. I, I think if I don't know that this is a reason to get X subscribers back. I don't know that being able to define my alts as, you know, in a relationship uh, with one another is, you know, compelling. I think my guess is that if you're if you're an X subscriber, because there's no other MMO right now that's out that's, you know, the, the new shiny AAA title to have, you know, kind of taken you away from this game, I think you're just probably done with the content. You're like the example I provided at the beginning of the, the section about how the guy, you know, I'm, I've exhausted all the content in 15 days. Well, yeah, you're not going to be happy with anything unless you go yeah. and play EverQuest right. 1 or World of Warcraft because those are the only two games are going to have content, and chances are you already did, you know, so... So I, well, I don't and, know what to um, tell people. I, I would say that if if um, if you felt a little that the legacy system does help with um, kind of tying in all your alts to where it feels that you know 
yeah, it's kind of cheesy, yeah, that it's, you know, it's their, you know, your family tree or whatever, but, you know, you're you're actually playing through with an alternate character. You can get different things now for all your characters. It it ties your alts together in a way that it wasn't there before. And, I mean, I, I do think that kind of helps maintain subscribers because it gives people a reason why they may want to play through an you know an alternate class that they you know they may have slightly been interested in but not really right you know we're kind of on the fence on it this could give them enough compelling reasons to to kind of try it. to do that um and all the stories are so good i mean it's bioware so the stories yeah. are good oh um, they're all great i love the story. I mean, i'm I really have... really into my storylines the two that i'm Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I basically have one of one of everything. I think now, so so not one. Of, I mean, not one of each. You know, not one of sixteen, but one of eight. For right. That so that's pretty much everything we had to discuss for the roundtable. But I want to just ask Scott a couple questions before we wrap it up. Um, have you got a character maxed out yet, or not yet? Close. So I have uh, two two forty twos. Oh, okay. And a, th- and a 39. So at 42, maybe you've hit it. Did you get to the part where the space battles suddenly start to get kind of hard? Like yeah. They go from ridiculously oh, yeah. easy to really hard. That's like, and, uh, um, that's like tier three. The tier three battles start to get hard. Yeah. So and I a guess, lot of times they're escort missions where... Um, oh, yeah. The escort missions are incredibly hard in tier three because it doesn't matter that you can... You know, you can get through it. You're having to defend this arbitrary point of health <laughs> floating right. around near you, and that means you have to be fast on the on your feet to to take things out before before they get your little shuttle you're defending yeah, or whatever. Exactly. So I think it must be shortly after that that it becomes a series of missions where you're the target and. It's really, really hard, and I I did some reading on it because I was like, I used to just own these space missions, and they were like my dailies, and they, they make for a pretty good amount of money and experience, yeah, um, yeah. and especially after you, you can go back and do ones that are gray, um, but if you get all the, the extra bonus stuff, it, it's actually still well worth it. And plus you're getting those points so you can buy more stuff for your ship and get like the alternate, you know, cost. You can get like this, the, the pilot, you know, costume, TIE yeah. fighter pilot costume or the rebel fighter pilot costume or just some, you know, boxes for treasure or whatever. But anyway, I read around, I read about it and finally this guy had, um, had a YouTube clip of him and he's like, I don't, I can't explain it, but if you just go between W uh, D S, you know the A S D W keys in a circle, while you're targeting and everything, it makes you really hard to hit for them. <laughs> and so I have developed this um, based on that because it totally changed my my gameplay. This pattern now where I'm just constantly moving my ship around in this like evasion kind of circle, and it's really weird because you just start to find that your your left hand just starts kind of doing this no matter what else you're doing and it's uh, anyway that's that's kind of what i had to do i don't know if you've run into that yet but it sounds like have, you've run into not, the really hard have, escort missions but i have friends that um are 
what's the it's not Sith weaving, it's uh the one that makes ship components. Um Oh, oh, um, I don't even know what that is. I, I didn't even know you could um, do Yeah, it's Artifice, maybe? I can't remember. Um, I, I have that, but I don't, I'm maxed out friend, on that, but I don't well, think I can make I, ships. I don't think that's it. Um, huh. Maybe it's Cybertech. Maybe that's it. That might make more sense, yeah. Um, but um, uh, one of my friend's wives who plays the game, she's got a maxed out Cybertech character, so I've got... All the nice, <laughs> nice oh, components cool. for my ship. So that's helped quite a bit too. So, so I didn't even know you could do that. Are they like purple or orange, or are they um, still blue? Or no, they're they're blue, but they're better blue. Oh, so be, they're like level five, but better, or yeah, well, or just um, like uh, they, you know how you can build things and they have an enhancement where you can yeah slot something else. Well, this will be like, you know, kind of like the tier five stuff where. Dang, I'm gonna well, have like, to like the, uh... blaster refresh where you can you know you shoot this much and it but it also does this amount of, on your oh shield. Oh my gosh! It may do a little more on your that. shield. So I'm gonna have to go hit the auction. Yeah, yeah, it's up. worth it. It's worth it, man. Because I've been only just doing the reward stuff and uh, I have it all, but I, it's hard, man. <laughs> Things are so hard. I'm at like 48 and I'm just crawling at this point, trying to get to 50. And it's really, I mean, um, oh, uh, do um, Battlegrounds PvP, too. That's, that's all a, I do now, yeah. <laughs> that's a really good way of making money. And, uh, yeah. And you can uh, you can run Estus really fast, the Flashpoint Estus, oh, now that you're high enough to get, yeah. if you need, like, Dark 5 or Light 5 or whatever you want, you can farm Light Side yeah. and Dark Side points in Estus if you need to. So. Oh, I'm as evil as you can be. I'm maxed, <laughs> I'm maxed out on all my crafting. I'm as evil as you can be. And I thought until up until this point that my ship was maxed out, but apparently there's more I can do there. So it's close. I'm about to wrap up my storyline and I'm really excited to kind of figure out what all happens. Yeah, I hope um, that's the only thing that I'm from a PvE content. It's it's so well done. I'm worried. How, I mean, how do you make a a chapter four for each character? I know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, that will that will have to be what the expansion is. Yeah, they got it. Maybe four and five. Who knows? Probably just four based on other MMOs. But you never know. Well, but but if, yeah. well, if you think about it, if you let's say it's what five or ten levels of content. If yeah. it's 10 levels, it would probably be two chapters because you're talking yeah. 55 through 60. I mean, you know, 50 right. 60, that's a lot of content. Um, if it's five levels, it could be one chapter. Yeah, I would prefer every six months, five levels, as opposed to once a year, 10 levels. Or 18 so, months. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're, right now they're they're churning out content. so They are, and it's it's been good. So I guess... To sum this all up and answer some of the questions we had, I thought it was a really good update. I'm very, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm ba- I'm very pleased. I just um, think I, the... Oh, go ahead, sorry. I do think it was, like I say, this is the normal patch you get, like, right before a, an, an expansion in most right. other MMOs. It's yeah. sort of a... What is a... It's not cost of living. What do they call it? A life enhancement patch or something. Yeah, like, it's like a merit increase. Right, there's it's nothing... Very, you know, just just wow, that just blew me away. But it's just a lot of little things that just kind of smoothed out the rough edges, and, yeah. and a and a fair number of those. 
Yeah, totally. What's what's your long term plans for the game? Are you going to stay subscribed and try and get a couple characters through the storylines? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking all eight to the end. Oh, nice. That's so, that's a big commitment. Well, I mean, I've got two different ones at forty two and a thirty nine, so I'm pretty true. I'm, I'm pretty close. So, well, and the other thing is, as you learn how to really play the game, it gets a lot easier to level up and progress too. Well, so. and I'm doing stuff like. Um, I'm playing a Jedi Guardian in a Sith Marauder. And oh, I'm playing, that's cool. Uh, you know, so I'm playing, you know, it's antithesis, but I'm playing the alternate. Right. You know, the alternate advanced class. So, like, I'm playing an operative and a scoundrel. You know, I mean, not right, uh, a gunslinger. Right. You know, and so, I mean, that way I'm kind of getting the flavor of each of the 16 classes, but just by right. playing. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What do you think, Noah? Anything compelling enough to make you play? Nope. Nope. It's a Bioware game that you know has a good as good a story as it's like. Well, I won't say it's as good as Mass Effect, but it's good. Yeah. It's it's similar to that Meh game you play. Meh. I mean Meh Meh one Meh two <laughs> Meh three. The problem is Mass Effect is all about me. <laughs> me. But what about me? Anyway, Mass I guess Effect that also doesn't have a subscription fee. There is that. There is that. Yeah. Well, I think that pretty well wraps up our round table. I think it does too. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us, Scott, so that we could have an adequate and satisfying round table on this topic. Always a pleasure. Yeah. And listeners, we hope you like the show. We look forward to hearing your impressions on the legacy patch. And anything else that you want to chat to us about. You can look forward to us being back in another week, and maybe you can meet us in person if you also come to PAX in the future. PAX Prime. Yeah, Labor Day weekend. We're going to paint the Space Needle purple with a giant M on it. (laughs) Noah's going to do it while Scott and I stay on the ground. We'll film it for posterity. Yeah, (laughs) with a zoom lens. Yeah. Good luck and Godspeed, Noah. Best podcast in the world. I played a World of Warcraft for ten years. If I can't play Diablo 3 soon, I might just kill myself.